You are listening to the System Save Me podcast, episode number 230. Today, we're going to be talking about the three best team practices for virtual teams. So stay tuned. Hey, I'm Jordan, and my business love language is efficiency, because who doesn't want to sip pina coladas on the beach while your business runs on autopilot? We're here to help overworked one-woman shows become streamlined solopreneurs. And now with over 150,000 downloads, this is the System Save Me podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm so stoked to bring this guest to you guys because as more and more people are having virtual teams, you know, as online business owners, we've always been virtual in that sense. And so it's one thing to be a solopreneur, you know, running an online business, and then it's a whole nother ball game once you start bringing the people onto your team and then having to communicate virtually because, and we're going to get into it. So get ready. But I, you know, have doubled my team in the past two, three months, I guess at this point, And it pretty much broke all my systems, which was really fun. So, you know, I can relate to probably a lot of you guys are going through when it comes to building your team. And so I was absolutely like, we have to have Meg on the podcast to talk about this. So I'm so, so, so excited that you finally get to meet her. Miss Meg, how are you doing today? Hey, Jordan, I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing quite swell. So this is going to be a really fun topic. But before we get all into it, go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about you and your business. Okay, awesome. Well, really excited to be here. I can't believe I am on the System Save Me podcast, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, I'm Meg Baker. I am based in Chicago. I am a team and hiring expert. Before I came to the internet business world, I was a teacher and life happened. And I ended up leaving the profession as my family moved from my hometown of St. Louis to Chicago. And it was an opportunity for me to start online. I was a VA. I've also worked in account and project management. And all of that has brought me to where I am now, helping my clients hire the right team um, and helping my clients onboard and set up the systems that they need to manage effectively. And again, I think that it's really important to note that, you know, there's kind of two parts to team. There is the hiring process, right? You got to find the right people, all that sort of stuff, which Meg is also an absolute expert in. And she today is going to be talking more about the management side. So once they're in, once you've said, Hey, like we're cool, you're on the team, then begins the real work in my personal opinion. It's such a personal development journey, if I'm being honest. But I'm really excited that we're, we're really honing in on this second portion today because I feel like less people are talking about it. And so we are going to talk about specifically the three best team practices for virtual teams. And so talk to me a little bit about what your clients' businesses are like before they have these best practices in place. Sure. So what my clients' businesses are like before they have these things set up is there are a lot of open loops in their business. They're not sure what their assistant or what their other team is really up to. They're not sure like the big thing is like, what is my team even working on? I don't know. Like, is this appointment like confirmed for next week? And then having team doing things in ways, like if they assign a task, They don't even know, like, if it's to upload a video on some platform, like, I don't even know where they're keeping these videos. 
everything is just kind of a mess and like not very organized. And as you said, Jordan, this is such a personal development journey. And I feel like a lot of times before these best practices are implemented, people are harboring like a lot of feelings inside of like resentment. And there's not like a way to like communicate about this stuff and like be really honest about like what the hell is going on. So yeah, it's just a lot of confusion and a lot of mystery before people implement some of these best practices. Yeah. Oh, it is. And even I think the biggest breakdown is communication, which, you know, isn't, shouldn't be too much of a surprise because in your personal, like if you're married or are in other relationships with family and friends, communication is always where the breakdowns are. And so if you can anticipate a lot around communication, you know, you're going to be winning in the game. So let's get into these three best team practices. So what is the first best practice? So the first best practice is leveraging your project management tool. So I'm going to use Asana as my example. And these are not original from my brain. Actually, none of these are, but these are things that I've heard from other ops people that I'm starting to implement like this combination of with my clients. So the first one is with your project management software or Asana in my case, Every single task that you ever ask someone to do must go in Asana. If you want to like ask them in Slack or like box them or whatever, that's cute, but it also has to go in Asana. And each task needs to have a due date and a person responsible. I mean, like, of course you can have Asana boards that have like plans and dreams or whatever, but every single task has to go in Asana. And then the next one is having your tasks start with a verb Again, like communication is really important. So that can be really super clear for people when you start your task with a verb. And then you also want to have the due date of your task in Asana or any PM software reflect when you actually plan on doing it. Of course, if you have hard deadlines for a launch, like you can communicate that too, um, but you actually schedule it for when you think you're going to get it done. And then the last part of this piece is that If you need to move the due date, like nothing should be past due in your Asana. So if you don't get to it at the end of the day, you move it. And then if you end up moving it three times, you need to check in with team and like problem solve around why you needed to move it around your deadline three times. Yeah, I think it was brilliant to, and I'm very similar about the verbs thing, which makes such a difference because, you know, the whole point of project management and task management is to do something. And so if you are just like, you know, instead of saying, you know, review the speaker lineup for the interview series, if you just say speaker interview series lineup, like, what am I supposed to do with that? I have no idea what's happening. And instead we say review speaker lineup and confirm titles. Great. I can do both of those things. That's very easy. It takes me five minutes and we can move on. Right. So I think that's a big shift. Yeah. And I feel like a big part of this too is being over communicative. And I see my clients sometimes being like, wait, is that too much communication? I'm like, there's really no such thing. I'd rather someone be over communicative with me than under communicative. And I feel like so much of this too, and this comes from my teaching background. So I feel like I'm good at this. It's being like super meta, like thinking about your thinking, like literally just breaking down the task of like, what exactly is this? It's like with my kid, sometimes I'll like narrate what I'm doing. Like, oh, we're walking up the stairs now. So I can 
like teach her how to talk or whatever, I feel like we just have to narrate to ourselves every single task that we do. And then that helps us with our SOPs and that helps us like break these tasks down into verbs. And it feels kind of crazy at first, but then when you get used to being like really metacognitive, like literally just talking through the actions, it's way easier to delegate. Yep. I so, so agree. And with that, you know, I think one shift that I made in my business is, is bringing on a project manager light is what I call her because we don't really need one full time. However, like the pure fact that I'm not having to follow up on the task, like if people are changing due dates and stuff, if it happens multiple times, like she's going to go in to whoever's doing that and be like, so what you doing there? Like, are you going to get this done? Like, do we not think this is a priority? Like, let's talk through this. And that has allowed me to have way more space for my activities and such, because it's important to follow up in those areas. And once you get to a certain point, like I, as the business owner, should not be the one doing that. So yeah, I like that you mentioned the the due date moving and whatnot, because I definitely, I'm totally moving deadlines like a crazy person. But for the most part, I think it's again, communicating with your team what days you're available to do tasks and what days you aren't. Like, for example, this podcast batch week, unavailable to do tasks. Like my whole like purpose for these past three days is, you know, talk to people, put the episodes in Dropbox and go to sleep. Like that is literally my entire job. So I think letting people know, like, And generally speaking, most of the time, Monday, Tuesdays, and Fridays is when I actually take tasks. And Wednesdays and Thursdays are my call days, so don't expect me to get anything done. And even that slight shift of that allows for it to be pretty rare for me to move due dates because they're already on days that I'm open and available to handle them, right? Yeah, I love that. And it eliminates a lot of like micro frustrations that can come up, and it just makes planning easier. And I hate to sound like Brene Brown but here I go anyway. Being clear is kind. Being unclear is unkind. And as you said too, Jordan, like this is personal development. And like, for me, it used to be hard for me to like set those boundaries or like think ahead of like, wait, when am I available for this? And like, just be people pleasy. Like, yep, you want me to do this? That's fine. But the more, again, over communication is so important. Like, then people know what to expect. And it's not a big deal if it's like, hey, I can't do this on Thursday. Cool. Like we'll plan around it. Who cares? But like the more communicative you are with more advanced notice, the easier it is to work with it. Yep. Totally, totally agree. All right. And what is next? What's the next best practice? Okay. So this next best practice I learned from an ops expert in this summit that I did back in April. And I love this idea. So it's using Slack. And I know sometimes people are like, well, if I have Asana, why would I use Slack? I love using Asana essentially purely for the project plans and the tasks or like other boards to like store information and then discussing the tasks and asking questions about it. It can get so convoluted and like subtasks and whatever. I like putting that stuff in Slack of like actually asking questions or having to troubleshoot stuff, like just communicate in Slack because you can like see it in real time. It's easier. But this particular system that I love, it's called check in checkout. So you can do this every day or if you have like project manager light or anyone light who's not there with you all the time, they can do it weekly. But so you go in and the expectation is that everyone on your team checks in and checks out. 
So at the beginning of the day, they're going to say what tasks they're planning on completing and like what projects they're working on. And then at the end of the day, you write, what did you complete? And like, what pending questions do you have that like kept you from completing your tasks? And I have been accused of this being like, this is too much work or like, this is over communication. Don't we have this in Asana? Sure. But not just saying like, oh, I'm doing my tasks in Asana. It doesn't necessarily show me what you're doing, but when we see it written out in Slack, it's just more transparent what people are doing. And it's not being like micromanaging. It's really helping leadership figure out if like, not just what's being done, but if the workload is even, and it's a really great way to like answer questions right away so that projects don't get stuck. I think that's super crucial because team capacity is something that you're always working on. Like you don't really know, you know, when a person is hitting their, I guess, whatever, like anticipated capacity until you really see like how they're spending their time. And as somebody who, again, as we all have, when you're in your business, you've done all of these things before. And you then know, for the most part, if you've done everything anyway, you, for the most part, know how long things generally take. And so then you can start to look at, okay, I'm paying this person X amount. They're taking longer than I would to do something. For me, that's a red flag because I'm paying somebody else to be more of the expert and take the reins. And so it's important that you are keeping track of what that capacity is. And if you think, okay, you had 10 hours this week and you should have gotten these five active campaign automations done or whatever, but you only got three done, that's interesting to know because then it's like, what were the issues? What were the hiccups? Like, how can we make this a smoother process next time? Or do you feel like that's an okay time frame for you to be getting that particular task done? So it, it opens up those conversations that need to have. And so have you run into any examples of, okay, you know, in these check-ins and checkouts and where business owners have been able to see like again, either a capacity issue or more of an efficiency issue and like how you saw that and overcame it. Yeah, absolutely. So in particular examples where I've done it, it's actually shown a light on tasks that the CEO thought was getting done, but weren't actually getting done. So in this case, assumptions were being made because the business owner had assigned certain things. And this is why I like using Slack check-in, check-out concurrently with Asana, but it exposed some systems issues. Like if certain things like we saw were getting done, but then they weren't getting done correctly. Like it just kind of brought to our attention and our awareness, like, oh, we need some SOPs, but it also brought to our attention things that we thought were getting done weren't actually getting done. And that there are some issues we needed to address there. So it my CEOs stopped thinking like, what the hell is actually going on? Like, what the hell is my assistant actually doing? Um, and it, it just brought so much transparency. And I think to your example with, you know, the active campaign, like campaigns scheduling, I think too, if things are taking people a long time or they're like avoiding their tasks, that can indicate that there's a larger problem of like possible mismatch of tasks or roles So I like having that data come up. Totally. Have you been dying to create a VIP day or virtual intensive offering, but are stuck in overthinking everything? 
You love what you do and how you support your clients, but lately it's become, well, too much. You may even be hitting your monthly revenue goals, but you're left completely exhausted. Yeah, been there, bought the t-shirt and the mug. Good news, I've built my virtual VIP day bootcamp that walks you through the nine steps to create and selling a one-day virtual intensive. Grab the podcast-only pricing of $37 for this two-hour training plus tons of bonuses to build and sell your own one-day virtual intensive. Since 2016, I've completely replaced monthly retainers with one-day virtual intensives and VIP weekends. So join me and stop dealing with the late night slack pings, lacking control over your own calendar, chasing invoices, explaining scope creep again, you kept my drift. Head on over to systemsamey.com slash pod bootcamp. That's P-O-D-B-O-O-T-C-A-M-P and grab the goods. All right, back to the episode. And I think with that, you know, it really, the, the data is so crucial because if you are just handing over the keys to even if it's not a big kingdom of like they're doing financial stuff like giving away the keys to your calendar or giving away the keys to your promotional schedule or whatever like you should always continue to come back to that and really say okay are these things getting done I definitely have had clients who are like yeah this person's really great on my team And then I, you know, I'm helping them build a system. And then I look at their system and I'm like, dude, like half of this stuff is not even getting done by this person. Like this is a problem. And they're like, oh my gosh, like what? Like, and it hurts and it, it doesn't feel good. And it's not that you're a bad business owner. It's just that you need to, again, bring up to the top of the mind about what are you doing? How long is it taking you to do it? And if it's not getting done, why has it not been a priority or why has it not been getting done? Because sometimes it's a rational answer. Sometimes it's an irrational answer. So I would love to hear again, then when you are doing that evaluation, what are some answers that people have given that you'd be like, this is a red flag of this person should really be on your team or not, which is like, whatever, maybe a negative subject, but I also think it's like, let's be real. Yeah. So. For me, when I've heard excuses like, but I was waiting on you to tell me this, (laughs) that's a red flag for me because we really need whoever, assistant, whatever, to own the outcome and not just like getting the task done. So even if like, let's say you, Jordan, you're the CEO and like your assistant didn't schedule something because they were still waiting on an answer from you, then they need to be the ones proactively following up so that they can ultimately get the task done. So things like that have come up where I see that like ownership isn't being taken. And for me, that's a red flag. And I definitely want to address any systems breakdowns, SOP breakdowns, communication breakdowns to address it. And then perhaps consider that the person is not the right fit. Yeah, I so, so agree. And and something that we've done in Slack too is that, you know, if, me and and my ops coordinator, Trina, who is amazing. She and I like, she'll put in the, we have just like an inbox Slack channel because I don't go in my inbox anymore, which is quite glorious. And she'll say, you know, this person wants you to do this. And if I've seen it, then I put a thumbs up. And once, you know, I 
you know, actually have time to either respond or go review the details that she's saying, then I will answer the question. And so then she knows when I've seen it, which is important, but then also like the response and same vice versa to her. If I'm like, Hey, I need you to, you know, set up Meg as an affiliate for this. You know, she has a thumbs up when she's seen it and then a check mark when it's done. I love that. Can I implement that like tomorrow? <laughs> Girl, yes. Take it. It is the best. And, and now, you know, in our, in all of our team channels, we've actually implemented it. Again, it, we have a, a project manager who then is able to like pick up some of those and put them in our project management software. Like she is... Her and Trina are really the only ones creating tasks. Trina really is the only one creating tasks for me. And then Whitney is creating tasks for everybody. And so that allows, again, for things not to get super messy between Slack and ClickUp for us. And so it's been really helpful to have, again, because what are the things you really need to know? Like most business owners are like, have you even seen this? Has this been done? So I was like, all right, we'll just create emojis for both of these (laughs) and have that be our, our code. Yes. I love that. I think too, when I see resistance around check in, check out, I think business owners are afraid that they're being micromanagey, but you're not like you're allowed to know what your people are working on. And I think if there's resistance from people doing check in, check out for me, that feels like it might be because the work that they're doing, they don't really like. So I know I mentioned this earlier, but they might be task avoiding it because when you're doing work that you really like, it's no big deal to be like, yep, I did all these things and I'm way more productive as I'm sure you are too, Jordan, doing stuff that you're, that's aligned with you. And that feels great. It should be no problem to be like, yep, I did all these things X, Y, Z. But I feel like if we're having difficulties, even getting around to tasks or even talking about them, that's a possible mismatch or possibly we, there's something not in place that our employee or contractor needs to support them. Yep. That totally, totally makes sense. Cool. All right. What is the last best team practice? Okay. So this one is a little more abstract than the first two, but another best team practice for me is no open loops. We want to close loops. So we essentially can use these first two tools to close any loops. But if you are responsible, let's say I'm an assistant and it's my responsibility to schedule events on the calendar for my CEO, there should be no open loops. For example, if I'm like, it's Monday. And if I haven't heard from someone in two days trying to confirm an appointment, I need to go in and identify that that's an open loop and try to close it and like follow up every two days with that other person to close it. And we shouldn't have tasks that we've been waiting on answers for like two weeks from the CEO or from anyone bottlenecking, we should proactively be trying to address those bottlenecks get the answers that we need and close those loops and really take responsibility for these outcomes and not have tasks sitting two, three, four weeks in our PM software just because someone else is bottlenecking. If that's your task, you should be closing that loop. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And I will fully admit that again, and I've admitted this multiple times, I'm a very forgetful person. And it was very crucial for me to have somebody who can catch all of the balls for me, which again is Trina. And she's so much better at following up than I am. And I would say I'm actually pretty good at follow up when it comes to like sales, anything else, I'm trash. So I think knowing yourself, knowing your preferences, knowing how you operate and it being okay that 
you know, if you have a weakness area in the follow-up, hire somebody that is great at follow-up. And there are people who are great at it. Like, you know, even yesterday, Trina was like, ask me something about, oh yeah, don't forget, like, you need to respond to this like inbox thing that I asked you about. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's like the note or whatever. She's like, great. Okay. And then she checked it off when she completed it or sent the email. And then so again, create those. If that is a weak spot for you, then that should be something you're consciously hiring people for and having that detail mindset. And again, as a Enneagram obsessed person, like everybody on my team is a one, three or eight. So we are a lot of I don't even know, neurotic people, I suppose. I love everybody on my team, but <laughs> we all are a little bit of workaholics. So, but I think that it's, I've intentionally hired, you know, I look at a bunch of different personality assessments and whatnot to make those hiring decisions. And for me, it is super crucial for people to have that follow up mentality and detail oriented mentality. And so, you know, again, I feel like I've created kind of really my core team that I can see myself riding with for a very long time, which is such a refreshing feeling. And, you know, that comes with, again, this whole open closed loop concept and how every person on the team is concerned if there is still open loops. You know, I get pings a lot in Slack about, okay, this still is an open loop, like answer me, Jordan, and whatnot. And then it's a matter of, okay, then this becomes part of the SOP, right? Of we don't have to ask Jordan this again every time we do this. It's a one time and whatever else. And with this, I would love to get your opinions on how to train your team if they currently are not how to train them to be solutions oriented in the sense of, okay, if the loop is still open and there's something that is needing review or is needing a different action item, I find a lot of people struggle with, you know, my team always asks me what to do, just like in a very open-ended question. And now I have to think, and now it's like, I should have just done it myself. So how would you encourage business owners to train their current team or look for in their, you know, new team member, that solution oriented mentality? Yeah, I love that question. I would say one way is culturally make it okay to make mistakes and prioritize action taking over like perfect action. I think sometimes people are working in companies feel like they have to get the final say from the CEO. And if you are just not available to make certain decisions and you want to empower your people to make some decisions on your behalf, and then if they mess it up, that's fine. Like we'll fix it and just like fix it in the SOP. That's when we want to normalize making mistakes and prioritize taking action or like the best action that you think, and then just fixing it and documenting it later. Another thing I love to do when I'm hiring is letting people know that part of the role is to also update SOPs as you go. So if you're not interested in that, don't apply for this role because we need ownership. We need people to help us with our business. And I think too, it's also instead of hiring for tasks, really hiring for the responsibility and really helping people take ownership of like, this is the final outcome and this is on you. Like when I was an account and project manager for my friend and you know her too, Jordan Kelsey at Pinegate Road, she would have to remind me like, it is on you. Like you are responsible for this outcome to make websites launch on time. 
Like that is on you and you need to do what you like. If you don't hear from me in like an hour or something, make a decision and like, we'll fix it later. But yeah, so it's deciding if quick action is more important than like perfect action and then fixing it after the fact and documenting it. I'm totally a person of like, whatever, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Like I do not want us to be bogged down in feeling like we have to make all the right decisions for Jordan or like we have to wait for Jordan to make all the decisions. Right. They'll make the best decision and you know, I'll slap you on the wrist if I need to. And then we move on. Right. Because sometimes we don't know the answers as CEOs. Like your answer is probably as good as mine. And another thing that I've seen done too is training team when they have a question to already come to the table with like one or two possible solutions. So it's less thinking for you. Amen to that. And yeah, I've definitely started to really, once somebody says like, if they say, what do you think? Or what should we move forward with? I literally just will type back to them. Like, what do you think we should do? (laughs) Just like not even deflect, like purposefully I'm putting this back on you and whatnot. But I love to hear how other people are doing similar things because it is super, super crucial to have that core value, I think really on it, honestly, on any team that wants to grow and keep up with the momentum. So with that, I know we touched on a few different tools. And so you can name those again and other tools that you find to be super helpful for team members, or even it doesn't have to be with your best practices, but even, you know, payment software or other software that helps teams run more smoothly. Yeah. So um, tools, any sort of project management software. I know you are the queen of ClickUp and I've heard awesome things about ClickUp. If you're just starting out with a project management software, I love Asana. The free version is pretty robust. I think that's a great place to start. Um, Slack is another key tool. I really believe that inter-team communication should not happen in emails. Um, that's fine if you want to do client-facing communication there, but I really love Slack and Asana for inner team communication, for really visionary type folks that really need to like speak out their thoughts to team member instead of typing. If typing slows you down too much, Voxer can be a great tool, not for project management, but for like working out problems or like talking through like visionary ideas. And then when it comes to like invoicing and CRM and stuff, I'm a big fan of Dubsado. I mainly do like coaching and done for you, um, hiring services for people. So Dubsado has been a really wonderful tool for me to keep a lot of my invoicing and contracts and other stuff like that in one spot. So yeah, those are my favorite tools of the moment. Yes, love it. And let's give the listeners a sneak peek on what they can expect for the freebie link. It will be inside of the show notes and whatnot. But if you want to dive deeper into this, just give them a little nugget of what they can expect to learn in in your freebie. Yes. So in my freebie, I'm going to go over some of these best team practices and a couple more (laughs) that I haven't mentioned today. But yeah, if you want to, if things are just feeling kind of funny and a little too open loopy and you would really love to just come into your team and be like, Hey everybody love you, but things are weird. So we're going to implement some best practices. (laughs) Things are weird. Yeah. That's what I love to do with my clients. They're like, I don't know what's happening. I'm like, great. I'm just going to be this random person coming into your company and being like, okay, here's a document of best practices that you're going to start implementing tomorrow. Let me know if you have questions. (laughs) It can really clear up a lot of confusion. And one nugget of wisdom I would like to instill is 
you're allowed to be over communicative. You're allowed to be however you want to be in your own business. <laughs> and if things feel weird, like it's an excellent opportunity to use tools like this to see if it's a systems issue or if it's something else. And if after some time you document that it's like not a fit, you're allowed to find someone who is. Amen to all of that. And so where else can people find you? Website, social media, all the places. Yes. So you can find me on my internet website at medkco.com and follow me on Instagram at medkco, all one word. Yay. Awesome and easy. So we'll have all of those links in the show notes in the podcast description. Thank you so much again, Meg, for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jordan. I could talk about this stuff with you all day long. (laughs) Same. Thanks for listening to the System Save Me podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or send a screenshot on Instagram while tagging us at System Saved Me.